Amen. Again, it's good uh, being with you all, and uh, we've enjoyed our time here in the conference and uh, with our hosts and with everyone. And uh, let's be turning our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Book of Luke, chapter 14. I remind you again, if you haven't yet done so, make sure you look at the missionary tables on the back and uh, get our prayer cards and from each table. And as I said, uh, be praying for us and be praying for all your missionaries and prayers vital in the ministry. Um, just to give a short update, if there are some who were not here yesterday, my wife and I have, are celebrating 25 years of ministry this year. We've been in Uganda now for uh, 23 of those years. And the Lord's allowed us to work in various different ministries with the church planting, with um, a Christian school and also a Bible college. And uh, getting ready to start another one here soon, Lord willing. In 2022, I've been talking to some about some of those things even today, some of the people be working with, and um, they're on their way, matter of fact, up there now, some of the men, uh, to do the youth conference up there. Normally it's a youth camp, but they're going to do a youth conference. They've had uh, three this month now. This will be the third youth conference they're doing. Because uh, of COVID, we're trying to divide people up and not get everybody together, so we're going to different parts of the country. Instead of them coming to us, we're kind of going to them a little bit this time, and uh, in those three different areas, having the churches in those areas uh, meeting together for the youth conferences, and so it's been going well so far, and so we'll be praying for them as they'll be starting that um, youth conference this week, and I know they appreciate your prayers. And so tonight, as we're looking to the Word of God here, we're looking about an evaluation of missions. Now, to evaluate means to determine or set the value or amount of appraisal for something, to judge or determine the significance or worth or quality of something. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25, we find here in the Bible when God says you ought to evaluate the cost or to count the cost. And so let's look at this tonight in the book of Luke chapter 14, verse 25. It says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my, my disciple." And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold, behold it began to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. And so here it's about talking about counting the cost. And of course even we understand there's sometimes a cost involved in serving the Lord. Uh, and there's always a cost involved in doing things. Our pastor used to always say, uh, there's two things that will always cost you to serve God, time and money. <laughs> Those two things, they'll always be there. Um, one or the other, or in most cases both, will cost time and money. There in Uganda one time, I went to a meeting, and uh, there's a Ugandan pastor there, and he shared with us his testimony. And he was probably about in his mid-30s when I met him. And he told me about when he was younger, about how he got saved. And he said he's about 16 years old, and he came from a Muslim family. His parents were Muslim, his whole family was Muslim, and he got saved at a church that he'd gone to visit. And his dad wasn't happy about that, and he said, son, you don't need to go back there anymore. And he said, dad, I love the Lord. He said, I want to get baptized, I want to serve God. His dad told him, son, if you do that, you no longer be my son, I'll disown you. And so he said, I have to follow the Lord. That young man went and got baptized, and he came back home, and his dad threw him out of the house at 16 years of age. He said it was a very difficult thing being that young, 
and having been in the home and being in school and taken care of to suddenly find himself now out on the street. And his dad saying, you're no longer my son. I don't, you're not my son anymore. Don't come back. And he shared his testimony. He's heartbroken. Even then he had tears coming on his face and began to tell us a story of what had happened. And he said, I love my family. I love my dad. I love my brothers and sisters so much, but they'd have nothing to do with me. He said, as I grew up and was able to do some work and different things, anytime I heard my family was having any problem, I would send them money and try to do what I could to help them out. If they needed school fees or if they had a problem or sickness, whatever, I'd send money. And there's one thing I find out in life. People may not like you sometimes, but they'll still take your money. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. And so uh, he said, so they took the money, but still nothing. And he said, things got just a little bit better over time, but it took some time. And so then he got a call. His dad was about to die. He's on his deathbed. And he said, I went there and I went into the home. And he said, then my dad asked everybody else to leave and he just wanted me to be in the room with him. And he said, before he died, my dad said this. He said, son, I wish all of my children were like you. He didn't get to talk to him much after that. His father passed away. He said, I don't know if my dad ever got saved from what he said. I hope he did because I'd witnessed to him some over the years as I could. But he said, I'll tell you this, though, since then, he said, all of my brothers and sisters have gotten saved. I think this verse here, it's not that you hate your father and your mother. The Bible tells us just that you love God more. And so this is how we need to be in our life, to give God first place, because there is a cost involved. Sometimes you have to leave family and friends. Sometimes they leave you. Sometimes you might go to a foreign country or uh, my dad says California is foreign too. Some people might not go to California or you might be here in Texas. You might be some other place. I saw uh, someone today, I think I saw a pastor today, when I, well, every time we come to Texas, I tell my kids, welcome back to the promised land. Amen. <laughs> I lived in San Angelo for a while. Once you live in Texas, I mean, you're Texan, you can't help it. I was baptized in the Concho River, you know, and that's, that, I'm Texan now, so. And I told him, I said, you know, Texas is a very famous place. Matter of fact, most other countries in the world, especially in Europe, have named their capitals after towns here in the state of Texas, like Paris and other such places. So it's, you know, we're quite famous here. We're well known here in Texas. <laughs> but God might call you to some other place or God might call you to make some sacrifices in your life. And especially when it comes to family, you love your family. I remember in my own family with my grandfather and my dad. I remember my grandfather came to visit us one time, and um, it's time to go to church. We're getting ready for church. My grandpa said, where are you going? My dad said, we're going to church. Why aren't you get ready to go? My, dad, my, my grandpa said, I'm not going to church. And my dad said, all right, we'd love for you to come. And my dad just kept getting ready to go, and he said, you're going to leave me here alone? My dad said, no, you can come with us. I don't want to go. Well, we're going to church. So Sunday morning, went to church. Come back and... You know, <laughs> you get that look. Guess what? We went to Sunday night church too. Same thing. Wednesday night, the same thing. And each time, you don't, you don't love me. You don't care for me. Dad, I love you, but you've got to be in church. That's what God wants us to be. It's a couple years after that that my grandfather got saved. Because he had a son who loved God more. Who gave God first place. His son didn't like that his dad was upset with him. He loved his dad. 
but they love God more. And that's what the scripture talks about. And there's, there's always some cost that will be involved as we think about serving the Lord. And so tonight, I want us to look at three things here tonight. Let us first look at the value of missions. Your pastor, as well as myself and others here tonight, are asking to make an investment in missions this year. Some of you have been doing this already. For some, it might be your first time. And we're asking that you pray and ask God what he'd have you to give to the cause of missions. Your pastor's even given you a card already and been asking you to pray about what God would have you to do. If you don't have one, make sure you get one so you can be praying about that. On there, I like how he has it. even has a place that you commit to pray, a place where you commit to give financially and also a place where you can be involved in fulfilling the Great Commission and doing your part. And so we're asking that you make an investment. So when you make an investment, it's good to understand the value of what you're being asked to invest in. Is this something that other people have done before? What is the worth of this? What do others think about this? And so tonight, let us first look at this fact about the value of missions. Let us see who has invested in missions in times past. Look in the book of Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The book of Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The first person to look at is the Lord Jesus Christ. He invested in missions. As you think about this in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, look what it says here. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. He left his home in heaven to be born here in this world. And he died on the cross. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says go into all the world. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He came into this world so that we might have life. He gave his life for us. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave himself for us so we might have eternal life. Can you imagine today if you could stand before the Lord Jesus and ask him what he thought the value of missions might be? Is it, Lord, is it something worth investing? Is it something worth put in, involving yourself in? I don't think he didn't have to say a word. I think he could just lift up his arms. And you can see those nail prints in his hands. You can see the price that he paid. I imagine maybe as he showed you those hands and you saw what he thought of that, maybe he might even look at you and say, you were my mission field. You are the one that I died for. This is how much I valued you, that I gave my life for you. The value missions, yes, there's a cost involved, and Jesus gave the ultimate price in dying on the cross. That showed us the greatest love that could ever be shown. Sometimes you think of the mission field as a foreign land. Sometimes you think of these other things. But Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. You're the reason he came. If it wasn't for the Great Commission, none of us here would be saved today. And so we see there's a great value that is there that the Lord puts upon missions. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, look over to there. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I like this verse here as it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now when I think of joy, I don't think of the words that follow this. When you think of joy, we think of things that are pleasant to, to us. Things that we enjoy. But here it says, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did that bring joy to him? Because he knew that you could be saved. He knew that his death on the cross was the only means by which we could have eternal life. I sometimes wonder, maybe he's looking down in time at the day that a 10-year-old boy trusted Christ as a Savior. That day that I walked down that aisle and got saved at that church there in Texas, that was the joy that was set before him. That day that you bowed your head and trusted Christ as your Savior, that's the joy that was set before him. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And so when you think about the value of missions, he thought about you in the day that you get saved. So if you were to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, do you think there's much value to this thing about missions? Is it something worth investing in? I say yes. He would say, I gave my all. I gave my life for you. And so as we see about those who've invested, we see our Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many others throughout the Word of God who could see, but look in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Look here also about the Apostle Paul. Paul also invested in missions. We many times refer to him as the first modern missionary, the first missionary here, the first missionary journey. And see, we see here in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now there were at the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon, that's called Niger and Lucius and Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed from Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Many times, as we say, Paul, we refer to as uh, the first missionary, but many people say that the Lord Jesus was the first missionary. I'm not going to argue about it either way. But, you know, I think about what the Apostle Paul did as well in living his life for the Lord and about how he gave his life in a service for the Lord. Look down to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at some of the things that the Apostle Paul went through and some of the challenges that he faced in his life in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the beginning of verse 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Here it says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak of as a fool. I am more. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Are the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one? Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. If you had asked Paul, do you think it was worth it? He said, oh, yes. Paul said, everything else before in my life, those things that I had, the position, the authority that I had, the, the money, the, all those things, I count them as nothing. 
you know, even he'd be willing to give his own life. As it talks about in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, where it said, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That was the desire of his heart. He is willing to live his life and to give his life. In chapter 9, verse 3 of the book of Romans, he said, For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brother, my kinsman, according to the flesh. You ask him about the investment he's willing to make? He said, I'll give my life. I would die and take your place before possible so that you could be saved. If you'd ask these people here about this investment, they'd say it is a worthy investment to make. And time would fail us tonight to tell the other men and women in the Bible who've lived their life for the Lord, who have made great sacrifices in what they've done. So many have invested their all. And this is the best investment you can ever make. And the book of Matthew says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall man give in exchange for his soul? Hey, there's nothing greater than in being involved in the work of our Lord and reaching others with the gospel. This is the greatest work that we could ever be involved in. And so as we think about this here tonight, as we look at this and evaluate this cause of missions, as we look at the value of this, we see those who've invested in times past. We see how that they thought this was a worthy investment. We see that they gave their all. There's also some benefits here as well in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10. I like this verse here in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10. Here in this chapter it says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Think about that. There is joy in the presence of the angels the day that you got saved. Because that's why Jesus saved. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And I believe it brings him great joy. But not only this, the apostle talked about in the scriptures. He talked about those who got saved, how that they are his glory, his joy, his crown of rejoicing. I tell you, there's nothing greater than being able to lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. As that person gets saved, it's just like when you have a baby. Huh? Have you ever seen someone that come in with the baby and everybody starts going, oh, look at that, you know, and people get excited and stuff, you know, and then you see grandparents and you think, what happened to my mom and dad? They're acting kind of weird now. You know, I mean, they're down on the floor, they're doing all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and you just, I mean, it's an exciting thing, isn't it? That's kind of how it is when people get saved. There's a joy, there's an excitement that comes into your heart. And so that is one of the greatest benefits is seeing someone being born again. Seeing someone trusting Christ as their Savior, that joy that comes into your heart. If you've led someone to the Lord, I think you know what we're talking about. If not, I hope you'll experience that soon. That joy of being able to lead someone to Christ. But also, there's that recognition. You know, in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, it talks about, and they that be wise, Daniel chapter 12, <coughs> Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, And then that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and then that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now there's a type of recognition, a type of reward that is there. Because, you know, when you get to heaven, the Lord's not going to want to know how much money you had in the bank. He's not going to care about your house or where it was, or he's not going to care about other things or your car or how many vacations you had or any of those things. What's going to matter is only what you've done for Christ. That's what will make a difference. Thank you, sir. What will make a difference is what we've done for Christ. 
Look over in the book of Philippians chapter 4. So as we think of these benefits, we think of this joy. There's that recognition, there's that reward. And also there's that promise of provision. We looked at this briefly last night as well. But down here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 where it says, But my God shall supply all your, what? Need. Now sometimes people mistake that for want. (laughs) All I want. And so what, what we do sometimes is we go out and spend our money and all we want and we kind of give God the leftovers. We say, God, you promised to provide, but God, your part's not here. I don't know what happened. But that's not how we're supposed to give. We're to show God the place he has in our heart by giving to him first. And then we're to trust him by faith that he will provide for our need. And that's what these ones did here, and this is part of that promise. You see, the promises of God are conditional. You do your part, and God will do his part. Hmm? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? But if you don't call upon him, you know, some people believe that you can get saved and not even know it. Calvinism and all those things, that's not true. No, you have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes if you're wanting to claim this promise here, you know, as you're saying, God, you promised to provide, but have I done my part? Have I done what God has told me to do? Am I giving? And so these promises here are conditional in that way. So here we see the value of missions that this is something of value. This is something that is worth investing in. This is something that has some benefit. You could even say it has some returns, amen? We're laying up treasure in heaven. This is the only thing, really, that's going to last. Because the things of this life are going to burn up one day. Things of this life will be gone. And even now, you know, in life there's sometimes that there's something you really want, there's something you really desire, and you sacrifice and you save up and you do all sorts of stuff and you finally get it and not even a year later you don't even know where it is anymore. <laughs> or it's that phone and then six months later they got a new one. We're always chasing after something else. The eyes of man are never satisfied. And yet we need to be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing the value of God's work and getting involved. So we see the value of missions, let's see also the vision of missions. Or here you can say the scope. Now look in Matthew chapter 28, look in Matthew chapter 28. The scope of missions, or what is the extent or range of this mission? Well, first of all, of course, we know it's into all the world. The Bible says, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, we see it's unto the end of the world, or you could say for all ages, or till the Lord comes back. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And I think even unto the end of the world. I remember one time there in Uganda, I went to a place with another preacher, another missionary. And I told him, I said, I don't know if we're at the end of the world, but I think we can see it from here. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're out there. It's hot. But you know, the Lord is with us. And this Lord's desire is to continue. I think of Isaiah. When the Lord said, whom shall I send or who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. 
Jeremiah sent me. And the Lord told him what he wanted him to do. You're going to preach, nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to come. You're not going to have a successful ministry. That's not put that way, but that's basically what he's saying. And then Isaiah's like, and I kind of think about how to be saying, um, uh, boy, um, Lord, uh, how long? <laughs> how long is this going to be? Till there's no one left. Just keep doing it. You know, sometimes we get involved in something and we get discouraged and want to quit. We don't have the results we thought we'd have or it's not turning out the, thought, the way we thought it would be or whatever the case might be, but we need to continue because this is what God wants us to do. This is not some type of short-term thing. This is for all of our life. This is to all of the world. The job's not going to be done. It's till Jesus comes back. He has called us to this mission. He has called us to this task until he returns or until we go up to be with our Lord. This is the work that God has called us to do. And so we see here the vision of missions. Let me say this also as to begin at home. Look in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 46. The book of Luke chapter 24, and verse 46. Here it says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, every time I think of the Great Commission, think of this world, Jerusalem, I think home, beginning at home. And you are witnesses of these things. That word witnesses will be found throughout the Word of God. And that's what God wants us to be, is to be a witness. Not just on the mission field, but wherever we are. Be right here at home. Yes, we need to give to missions. We need to take the gospel in all the world, but we need to be a faithful witness at home as well. And so this is the scope of missions. This is what God has for us to do. This is that vision that's there. Then also the last thing is this, the voice of missions. This is our investment opportunity. This is a chance that we've seen the value. We've seen the, the plan, the vision that is there. Then also now we see the part where we need to be involved. God has chosen to work through us. We read before in Acts chapter 1 of verse 8, where it said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. God wants to work through us. God wants to work through you. He doesn't just want to work through your pastor. He doesn't just want to work through the missionary. He wants to work through each one of us here today. That is God's desire. That is what God wants to do. Um, he wants to use us to share the gospel with others. Also, He wants us to pray. We saw this before the other day in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. But also the Bible says pray without what? Ceasing. Pray about everything. Don't just pray about the big decisions. Pray about every decision. You know, God's interested in every detail of your life because what you do in your life also has an impact on your service to God. And all those little decisions are normally what leads you up to the big ones. Sometimes we wait till the end and we're already in a bind and then we start praying. We ought to pray about everything in our life. There's a lady um, some years ago told a story about how the Lord convicted her heart about praying about different things. 
And she says she began to pray about some different things. And she worked at the church as a church secretary. And she said she only lived a couple blocks from the work. And she began praying about different things. And one day she thought, you know, Lord, even how should I? I mean, what do you want me to do today, Lord? And she just felt the Lord would have her to go a different way to work. She normally always walked this way and turned around the corner, she said. But she said she just felt impressed after praying about God's leading in her life that day to have her go a different way to work. So she went a different way. And she said, on the way there, I saw a man out cutting the grass. And I stopped and talked to him for a moment, invited him to church, and we got to talking, I got to lead him to the Lord. She said, I was so excited. She said, I went back to the church, I was telling everybody about it, and she said, it was just, just such an exciting thing to see what, what God had done as God led her in her life. And he said, though, the next day or the day after that, I can't remember which it was, but she said in the newspaper, there's an article about a fire that had happened and the house had burned down, and as that man she led to the Lord, he died in the fire after getting saved. And she thought, what if I had not been following the Lord's leading? What if I had not been praying about different things in my life? Maybe I never would have met that man. Maybe he'd be in hell today. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. God wants to work through us. But so many times we just have our set routines, we have our set ways, and we don't even think about praying about some things. This is just how we've always done it and how we always are. But we ought to pray about things. We ought to seek God's leading and seek God's direction in our life. My dad used to tell me to pray about everything. He said, son, if you, before, I was, before I knew God wanted to be in ministry, my dad told me, even if, you're, even if you get a job and your, your boss tells you to move somewhere, don't just move. You know, or somebody offers you a job somewhere. He said, don't just move. First of all, you have to see if there's a good church there. First of all, you got to pray and see what God would have you to do. But so many times it's just follow the money. Just follow the job. Just follow whatever, but it ought to be follow God. God desires to work through you and through me. And also, as we mentioned before the other day, through our giving as well. That's how church is supported through the tithes and offerings. That's how missionaries can go through our faith promise. But you know, even our voice in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, be turning over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, now, sometimes you do things without thinking about it. This occasionally has happened to me as well. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it does cause problems. I remember one time my parents came and they visited us there in Uganda. And we were getting ready to take them back to the airport. And we thought, well, let's take them down to Lake Victoria to show them the lake. And so they can see the lake there and have a good time. And um, this, our, our kids were just little back then. I mean, Jennifer was just maybe, what, six years old or something. I can't remember how old she was. Or maybe a little bit older, I don't remember. My wife remembers all the different things. I know I have kids. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the difference between men and women. Men vaguely know there are short people around them. You know, I mean, anyway. Yeah, but we love our kids. But um, anyway, we're down there at Lake Victoria, and we're at a secluded place down there. And I'd parked our car up there, and you could see it from where we were. And our kids, we knew they would want to splash around in the water and stuff, so we had some clothes in the car. They brought some backpack stuff, put them in the car, some change of clothes. And so we're sitting there, my mom and dad and I and my wife were talking, enjoying their time, and the kids were splashing in the water. And my wife looked back, she said, somebody is in our car. I looked back, oh, there, so I know it's fine. She said, no, somebody broke into our car. I looked back, and the back lights were flashing and had an alarm on it. You couldn't hear it. Uh, I don't know why, but anyway, the alarm lights were flashing. So I took off running up there, and we parked our vehicle, and right beside us, another car had parked. And there's two people in that car, and one of them had climbed over and opened our door, and it climbed in and was handing stuff out to the other guys through the window. So I ran up to the driver's side of those thieves of that car, 
And I opened the door. I was going to take out their keys so they couldn't get away. And so as I came running up there, the other thief got back in the car. So I opened up the door, and the car started backing up. Now with the door open, I'm about to go into the car. And so I stepped up on the little door jam thing. And so I'm sitting up there, and I'm reaching for the keys again. And by this time, the guy takes off down the road. And now both of these guys are grabbing the keys. Nobody's holding on the steering wheel. So I grabbed the steering wheel. They grabbed the steering wheel. Then I grabbed the keys again, and they grabbed the keys. Both of them did. And they were coming up, and there's a wall on the side. And I thought, okay, now, here's my, you know, you think faster in this time. So I thought, here's my chance. I can jerk the steering wheel. I'm going to run the car into the wall, and they're going to stop, and I'll just jump off and roll down the hill on the grass. And I'm about to grab the steering wheel to, to run them in that wall, and the thought comes through my mind, there's nothing on our car worth killing these guys for. Now, I didn't come here to kill people, you know what I mean? But being in the heat of the moment here, and that thought comes to my mind. And it's just kids' clothes. They stole some backpacks, you know. And so I thought, well, I better jump off the car before it gets going too fast. So I jumped off the car, and on my first step, I realized I was too late. Why are they going too fast? And on cement. And on my mind, I see myself skidding on my face down the cement, <laughs> down, down the tarmac drive. And I'm thinking, this is not, this is not good. And I just like, Lord, you know, and I, I, I took that one step. And my parents had me take some judo when I was younger. They teach you how to roll. And so I did a little tuck and roll thing, and I came up one roll right on my fingertips, barely even had a little scratch on me. I mean, I came up perfect on my tiptoes, my fingertips. One roll. That's what they teach you in judo when somebody throws you, but not when you jump off a car going about 25, 30 miles an hour. That one roll, the shock of that stop on one roll, it broke my arm right there. And so I stopped on my tiptoes, on my toes and fingertips, and then went right down because my arm broke. Um, because of the impact of that force of stopping. And I did all this while my mom is watching and my wife and my dad and my kids, you know. I don't recommend doing that in front of your mom or anybody, you know. And so anyway, so I got up and, you know, they took off and everything and they didn't get anything of great value or nothing like that. But, you know, I, I realized I didn't pray about that first, you know. I mean, I prayed when I jumped off the car. It's too late, though. But uh, God can save you even when you don't think about it sometimes and in a, in a fix, you know. But it's better to pray about things. My, my wife asked me, she said, why did he do that? I said, I don't know, it's just what guys do. I mean, you see a problem, you fix it. You see a thief and you stop him. It's, it's what guys do. Is that, is that true? I mean, yeah. And so, but I don't recommend doing that in front of your mom at least. And uh, she was not happy with me either, or your wife. Or, you know, whatever. But you know, it is good to pray about things. And so God wants to use our voice as well. Look here in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And shall they, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I looked at this verse yesterday. I want to see it again as well. Look at this next verse. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach a gospel of peace, mingle like tidings of good things. And so how are they here unless someone will go tell them? How are they here unless you're sending missionaries to other countries? How are they here, here in Houston unless you're going and telling them? You know, there's a young man by the name of Hoffeth. He came to our church here in Uganda. He's 17 years old. He's from a Muslim family. And um, there's many Muslims in his family. He also and his sister, they both came to the church. And he responded in the invitation time. He raised his hand for salvation. And he came forward and my wife got to talk with him. She shared with him the gospel, but he said, but my family is Muslim and my, my parents, would, they, they will not allow me to be saved. 
Now understand in some cultures, for example, with uh, Muslims and Catholics, so if you're a Muslim and you want to become a Catholic, there's a set procedures you have to go through and baptisms and all these things. And so I don't know if he's thinking of that or what it was that he's thinking of. But my wife told him, she said, well, salvation is not a decision for your parents to make. It's a decision for each person. It's an individual decision about whether or not you'll trust Christ as your Savior or not. And so he left that day thinking about it. He came back a few weeks later, and he sat through the service again, and again he raised his hand for salvation. And that day he came forward, and he got to speak with my wife again. And he told him, as Cheryl, he said, I'm ready now to trust Christ as my Savior. And he did. Hoffeth had sickle cell anemia. And the doctors had told him, they said that you probably won't die, you probably won't live out of your teenage years. And he'd already outlived their expectation. And sure enough, they were correct. It was just about two years later that his parents were trying to rush him to the hospital because he was in very bad shape. And his mother was sitting in the back seat with him and she'd taken off his shoes and was trying to get him comfortable in things. And he said, Mom, put on my shoes. She said, no, don't worry about your shoes. He said, Mom, put on my shoes. She said, don't worry about it. He said, Mom, put on my shoes. He said, my friends are coming for me. And he reached up his hand towards heaven, and he passed away in his mother's arms. I don't know if maybe he saw the Lord or the angels coming for him. I don't know. But his mom shared that testimony to one of our pastors. His mom and dad are not saved yet, but there's other members of their family who have gotten saved. One of his uncles is named Abdullah. He's one of the um, well-known Muslims there in the country, owns a lot of land. Um, he's very well-known as a farmer and different things. And he told me, he said, Pastor, if you'll come to my village, he said, I'll give you land to start a church in my village, and I'll tell our people to come to your church. The last time I got to meet with them, um, we were having a funeral for another one of the relatives there, a different one. And he said, Pastor, will you pray to Jesus for us? As a Muslim, most Muslims will not ask you to do that. I believe God is working in his heart as well. And we're praying that we can get an opportunity to get someone to go and to help us in starting that church there. But as we talked about yesterday, the laborers are few. We've had offers in different parts of the country and to be given land, to be given different things, but the laborers are few. There's not many people willing to give their voice to go and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just in Africa, it's here as well. There's people here in Houston that may be reached with the gospel. They're just waiting for someone to come tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad we'll see Hoff with again one day in heaven. That's where he is now with our Lord. That's that investment in missions. Is it worth it? Yeah. It's definitely worth making an investment such as this. As we evaluate missions, we see it's a worthy investment. The Lord Jesus gave us life for this cause. The Apostle Paul and so many others. Even in the day that we live, there's stories of missionaries and others who have given their life in reaching others with the gospel. They've made that ultimate sacrifice. We're to each reach the world with the gospel through our giving and also through us going. Sometimes, um, especially in years past, I'd hear pastors say, you either need to give or you need to go. And even then I thought, I don't think that sounds right. We need to do both. We need to give financially, and we need to go here at home where we are, going door to door, 
going to different stores, going wherever it might be, and sharing the gospel and telling others how they can be saved. There are so many things though, that distract us in this life, whether it's politics or work or even a lack thereof or finances or sports or some other thing. The list could go on and on. But the greatest investment you can make in your life is in giving to missions. Because as we do that, and as you saw in our video, as you've seen in the videos of others, I'm sure maybe in times past, it's an investment that brings back with this fruit, this added to your account. It's an eternal investment that is made. And it's the only thing that will last. It's those that we reach with our Lord. The work that we do for our Savior is the greatest investment we'll ever make. Let us pray. Dear Father, we love you. We thank you for the message tonight. Lord, as we evaluate missions and see the value of this, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to see the value that you put upon this as you gave your life on the cross. Lord, help us understand how much you love us and others and how you desire us. The vision that you have of us going to all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. The burden that was upon your heart as you spoke those words. And in the Apostle Paul, as he said, he'd even be willing to lay down his life for his brethren if they would get saved. Lord, help us to lend our voices tonight. Help us to make a commitment that we'll not only give to missions, Lord, but that we'll give our voice to share the gospel with our friends, with our family, and even strangers who might meet along the way. Lord, help us to be involved in making this investment and Father, I pray that there's someone here tonight that is not saved. Dear Lord, that tonight they trust you as your Savior. That during this time of invitation, that they would come and speak to one of the workers here and that they would accept you into their heart tonight. Lord, I pray that there's someone here tonight that's maybe struggling about what you'd have them to do for missions, that you speak to their heart this week and show them what you'd have to do in reaching others with the gospel through missions, Lord, and through our giving. And Father, again, I pray that you'll burden our hearts. Lord, just put that passion that the Apostle Paul had upon us, that desire that he had, is what I desire, Lord. And fill us with your power and help us to be that faithful witness. We ask you to bless in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. As the music begins to play, God is speaking to your heart. Now is the time to come. Let us stand together to our feet. Let us stand together tonight. If God is speaking to your heart, you come and pray right now. Now's the time to come. Don't wait. Don't worry about what others may think. You come and pray if God is speaking to your heart now. Don't leave here today without praying to the Lord if He's speaking to your heart about something. If you're not sure what God would have you to give this year, then you pray now and be praying and asking God to show you that. If there's someone that you know that's not saved, you call their name out in prayer tonight and ask the Lord to make their heart tender towards his word and to give you that opportunity to share with them the gospel. Being soul conscious, being aware of those around us that, yes, they're good people, but being a good person doesn't take you to heaven. Good people will die and go to hell without Jesus. No one is good enough to go to heaven. What about you tonight? Is there someone you need to pray for? Is there something you need to be praying about? 
you need to surrender your life to the Lord, maybe as a pastor, as a missionary, or maybe as a soul winner. Just say, Lord, I promise I'm going to tell you, tell someone about you. Maybe you can make a promise to God that every week you'll pass out at least one gospel tract. Or maybe more. Maybe at least once a week you'll invite at least one person to church. I don't think that's too much to ask. God is speaking to your heart. Now's the time to come. There's some praying here tonight. What about you?